Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. And if you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even a Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk to you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. Tonight is our first installment of Forever Fabulous, a brand new show that is featured on a measure of truth on blogtalkradio.com and co-hosted by associate producer Tomette Herring. When Tomette first told me this idea that she had for a TV show, I thought it was an awesome idea, but I also could see that it would take some time and finagling to get things squared away. And I asked her what she thought about developing the concept into a radio show. And that was only about five or six weeks ago, and look, here we are. Tomette, welcome back to A Measure of Truth. Thank you, Michael. Good to be back. I miss y'all. Where you been? <laughs> <laughs> We've been right here. <laughs> it hasn't been that long ago that you were on the show as well. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. So I, I, I want to thank you, uh, first of all, so very much uh, for having me back and extending me an opportunity uh, for me to uh, provide what I believe 
that I am in the universe to bring, and that is to uh, raise my voice and be a bridge so that others uh, might grow. And so my, my goal with this show, Michael, it's just me and you talking, right? Right, right. My goal for this show is to invite you into a conversation that should have never stopped. Mm. And that's about um, women helping women around the world. And so tonight, I am honored to have for my very first show, my very first installment, a woman on a mission. And uh, she is my shero, my newfound <laughs> hero. Her name is Miss Claudia Morell. She is the CEO of Multinational Development of Women in Technology, or better referred to, MD Wit. Now, Claudia. Claudia, thanks for joining us uh, in this ongoing uh, discussion, first of all, and um, thank you to uh, Measure of Truth, and uh, thank you for joining me on my first installment uh, in Forever Fabulous. Tom, thank you so much for having me. And (laughs) hello, Claudia. (laughs) Hello. This is very exciting. Thank you. Isn't it great? Okay, so so Claudia, I'm going to start off. This I don't want this show to be traditional, and so I'm going to start off, and hopefully I won't throw you off. But you you're you're all had it talking, so I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. Forever fabulous. Our premise is to really celebrate women who are over the age of forty. So in order to even be a part of the group, you got to be over forty. And the reason why it, I wanted to do it this way is something that my father said to me years ago. And he said, well, you're not grown until you're 40. And, Claudia, I used to think about what does that mean? What is he talking about? What do you mean you're not grown until you're 40? But what I come to understand when I hit 40 was that something very special happens at 40, something that you don't get early. But by 40, it's there. And um, I'm going to reserve my own reason why I, you know, I think 40 and over is such a great time in your life. I'm going to ask you, what makes you a forever fabulous woman? <laughs> well, I think it's the recognition of who you are, uh, that you define yourself by your own standards. I define myself by my own standards, not society standards. And eventually you just recognize that you like what you see. Mm. Because you're measuring you're measuring who you are based on who you are. And, um, and you don't care, you know, the issues of what society wants a woman to be become less important and what the true character of a woman is becomes more important. And you know, see Chloe, and this is something I shared with Michael when we were when I was sharing my concept that I'd started. Actually this concept is three years old. But you know, I think timing is everything. And but one of the things I sh- I share with Michael is, you know, I want this show to be a hair braiding show. And he said, what do you mean? Remember that, Mike? He's like, what are you talking about? You know, and, it, and hair braiding meaning this, that I remember the days that I sat between my mother's knees. And at that time, while she was braiding my hair, while she was brushing and stroking with care, she shared some things, some nuggets of wisdom with me. She told me how to be a lady. She, she told me, asked me what was on my mind. She shared her thoughts and her experiences with me, and I have taken those those nuggets of wisdom into my life, and it has made me the woman who I am today. And so 
I want this show to be a hair-braiding show that women can listen. 40, yeah, that might be the starting age of life, 40 and, and, and beyond. But it's also what we've learned and where we're going, and now we're at a place in our life that we can share. And I want to make sure that we do that so that we can help other sisters, no matter what age they are, go to their next level. How's that? I think it's fabulous. I think it's really a great idea. And um, I think the world would be a lot better if we spent more time listening to women who are 40 and over, frankly. Yes, yes. See, see, we, you know, and, and I don't subscribe to, you know, we're not beautiful anymore, we're, we're not intelligent, we've disappeared out of the boardrooms. No, we haven't. You just haven't asked us. And so now we're not waiting to be asked. And, Claudia, tell us a little bit about yes. women in technology. What is their mission? Well, we really are focused on an area that, unfortunately, um, women have not moved into. Um, I talk a lot about the importance of what I call the knowledge society. You know, we talk about the information society that we live in where we gather and, um, you know, collect all this information and we have access to information at our fingertips. And But it's not really about the information. It's about what you do with the information. It's about being part of the developers and designers of that information. And and yet women are so comfortable being users of technology, mm. but they haven't gotten invested in thinking about what needs to be on the websites, what needs to be in our hands. You know, how are we being? How are we part of the development and the design of the technology we use? How would cars be different if women were part of the design structure? What would have hap- happened with BP Oil if we had more women engineers designing those, you know, mm. platforms? So it's, it's about trying to get girls and women to embrace their capacity to be everything they can be in every field possible and not get discouraged early on from doing things that were traditionally male fields. Okay, wow. so now one of the things that, um, you know, Claudia brings up a good thing, and, and so I want to talk just a second, and then I want to hear your story because I believe that we transform because of our stories. And so I know that um, in speaking with you, and the WIT has been around since uh, 2007. It is a 501c3. And you joined them in 2008, Claudia, as the CEO. So, so I joked with you earlier when we were talking offline, and I said, boy, you didn't waste any time. You went right to the top. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your – can you give us our, your story? And, um, and, and uh, I'm just excited to hear what made you go there. I mean, can you talk about who is Claudia? Absolutely. You know, um, I have had the pleasure of of really having some amazing role models in my life, and, and many of them are women I've never met. Um, one of them was a great my great grandmother, who was a um, social democrat in Germany uh, before World War II, and um, she her husband had died of tuberculosis. She was a single mom raising two children. Uh, her oldest child, I think, about was a was a daughter who was about 17 years old, and they found her. She had been shot in her office, um, <clears throat> and she was taken to the hospital. Uh, and we actually have documentation where she was assassinated by Nazis, Nazi doctors. Hmm. And wow. She was a woman who was a political activist in the 1930s who believed very strongly in diversity and supporting all people and giving everybody a voice, and her voice was silenced. 
Mm. And it really traumatized, of course, her daughter, who was young at the time, and who was my grandmother, and then, of course, her daughter, who was my mother. Um, and I, I always sort of felt like, you know, the purpose of, you know, it, that these sacrifices become meaningful because other people pick up the flag that was dropped and keep carrying it. Right. I had some challenges as a young woman being told, you know, back in those days I was, I'm old enough so, um that, you know, you'd open the newspaper, there'd be men's jobs and women's jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I was I remember being a girl and being told, you know, saying, I want to be a policeman. And they said, oh, you can't yes. be a policeman, you're a girl. <laughs> you know, and all those kinds of experiences said, you can't, you can't. And I just never listened very well, which I think says a lot about me. But I ended up um, working in 2001 in a, in a program that really began to highlight both nationally and internationally an area where, while the United States has made tremendous pro- progress in terms of diversity, um, that women have just, for whatever reason, have shied away from from entering. And that was, as I said, the Knowledge Society, just accessing internationally, access, education, literacy, um, development, design, and leadership. And I just thought, no, we just can't, we got to keep carrying that flag, we got to keep pushing those boundaries, because this has an impact on all of us. It's not just about the women but um, who go into the field. It's really about all the women and men who benefit from women's voices. And so um, I guess I, I, you know, picked up a flag from from generations ago, uh, mm-hmm. and I carry it, and I am, you know, I've got three daughters of my own, and I, I'm fully intending to pass it along, not only to my daughters, but to the women who sometimes come in with this question about whether they can achieve certain things or do certain things, and I'm just the answer is, of course you can. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. no barriers. it's really about legacy. That's what I hear. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, and talk a little bit, Claudia, about how, how you instill this in your daughters. What are some of these um, key things that you think are important to to women who are parents who are also professionals that their their daughters have to see them a certain way as well as they have to understand how the perception is of the world. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, we tend to think of, of you know, barriers as being something very explicit because historically barriers were very explicit. People would say, you can't do this or you can't do that. And when we got rid of those very explicit barriers, we were left with the implicit barriers that we're not even aware of. Mm. And And every time a mother says to her daughter, ask your dad to, you know, fix the VCR because I'm an idiot with technology or I don't know how to use my computer because I'm an idiot with technology or the computer or whatever, she sends a really strong message to her daughters. Mm-hmm. And every time you have somebody who says it's okay for you not to be good at math because the girls aren't good at math, you send a really strong message. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is math is hard for everybody. That's right. And and it's a it's a it's it's a skill like in Japan they talk about it as being a skill you learn. In the United States they seem to think it's a skill you you possess. And so we let our kids off too early. And and this goes for both girls and boys. But girls particularly because there has been that message, you know, you remember years ago that whole Barbie message about oh, oh you yeah. can be oh, yeah. you know, you can be stupid at math, I hate math, whatever. And it's like, no. No, no I'm not letting you off the hook. So for my own daughters, you know, I had the same challenges as everybody else did. Um, and when they would hit a barrier, I just would not let them off the hook. So I'm really, really pleased to tell you that my oldest daughter uh, graduated with a degree in computer science. She's now an engineer over at um, 
uh, well, I should just say major multinational, and she's uh, finishing up a systems engineering degree. And my middle daughter is in medical school. And my youngest daughter is, is still in college. She's uh, minoring in information systems, and she works in a tech lab. So I really, and I really believe fundamentally that you can direct your kids. And, in fact, research shows the number one influencer of, of daughters is mothers. Yeah. Absolutely. We, under, we need to understand that. That is an awesome testimony to what happens if you just if you're committed to first of all you see the vision and you're committed to that. You know, um so so we talk a little bit about um you know where you came from and what drives you. You know, can you talk a little about um the organization and what led you there? Hmm. Well, <laughs> you know, it's it's it isn't you know life is always about opportunities, but sometimes life is about barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I I was working um, at a university that that I think our missions kind of diverged a bit, and mm-hmm. I really wanted to focus on the issues of of women in technology at every level, including internationally. Um, and that really wasn't an area of, of interest in, in my previous position. So I said, well, you know, the option, of course, is to be comfortable in a traditional position. You know, you get your nice benefits and all that kind of stuff. And I just said, nope, nope, I'm going to go follow my vision and my path. And started the company in probably the worst economy in, in my lifetime. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It, it We're coming up on year two for me, uh, July 1. We're still in, out there doing great stuff. We just got some funding from the National Science Foundation. Um, if it's meant to be and you believe in it, you can do it. It's not easy, and I could spend probably the entire show talking about the struggles. But I have to tell you, the biggest supporters have been other women who have also shared with me the belief and, and their willingness to, you know, encourage me. And, you know, and I want to do the same. You know, I want to make sure that people's dreams are... You know, become reality. Yeah, I mean, Claudia. So, so you know, you say you don't want to talk about the struggle, but that's what we want to talk about because <laughs> I, you know, you can't get that past me. Oh no, because okay. I think <laughs> that part of who we are, we are who we are, not because of people, but in yeah. spite of people. Yeah. You know, we we are lo- you know that we we are who we are because of who loves us and who refuses to love us. So talk yeah. to that. I want to hear the struggle part. <laughs> well, and you know what? You're absolutely right because I think we have this illusion that for everybody else it's easy and we're the ones that just don't have it figured out. And I have to tell you, for about a year and a half, I mean, of those two years, it's been a huge learning curve for me and a lot of self-doubt. What on earth was I thinking? <laughs> um, trying to figure out uh what my strengths and gifts are and what my, you know, weaknesses are and not thinking that the weakness is just me mm-hmm. because, you you know, you tend to just go there, oh, gosh, I can't do this, I, you know, I don't have the capacity, I'm not smart enough, I'm not capable. I mean, you just really can beat yourself up. Yeah. Uh, and so what has been really helpful is having other women around for me and men who have said, um, it's not you, it's it's just you know you have to learn you know a number of different things i ha- i had to learn i mean everything from had to figure out how to do quickbooks to, to you know website development yes um i had to do i had to avoid what's called shiny penny syndrome a good friend of mine julie lenzer kirk taught me that what's that, what's that? 
<laughs> braid my hair. Braid my hair. What is that? Shiny, <laughs> shiny penny syndrome is when everything, you know, you're looking around yourself and everything on the ground looks like a shiny penny. And you want to pick it up. And then you lose focus. And you end up everywhere right. doing everything. And mm-hmm. you get overwhelmed. And now you're working 15 hours days. You're not taking care of yourself. Your health is going down. But you're just so sure that every direction is the right direction. You don't want to give anything up. That'll kill you. So that was one of the things you got to just, you got to figure out what you're doing and you got to be able to say no to the things you're not doing. The other thing I learned, and this is probably the hardest lesson to learn, was something called, I learned from some good friends of mine, about called tall poppy syndrome. Say that again? Tall poppy syndrome. Tall throw the word syndrome on the end. Tall poppy. You know, beautiful poppies, right? Yeah. Those beautiful flowers. You get yeah. beautiful. If one grows taller than the others, it gets cut off. Hmm. Hmm. And there are people in the world who do not want you to be successful. That's right. And when you stand taller than other people, there will always be a few people who just, it's nothing to do with you, they just like to cut you off. I've also heard it as, uh, you know, the nail that, that stands out furthest from the wall gets hit the hardest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And you can really get to why you're busy following your dreams Nobody bothers to tell you that there are going to be people who are going to stand in your way to keep you small. Yes. Right. Right. Uh, wow. How did you overcome the, that? How did you overcome that, Claudia? I know you had to deal with it. I believe that what I am doing is more important than who I am. Okay. Mm. So it's more about that. the mission. It's important. If I fail. Mm-hmm. There are people behind me who will also fail. Right. You know, I, I, I think, you know, a perfect example, you know, if, if Martin Luther King had kept quiet, mm-hmm. where would we be today? Right. And we just celebrated a woman by the name of Bernice Sandler, mm-hmm. who was the godmother of Title IX. And I can only imagine what she went through. If she had stayed quiet. Tell, uh, tell the folks. About Title IX, so we're all, mm. you know. Right. Well, uh, it basically, um, and I'm I'm not the expert on Title IX, but it, it was the legislation that was passed for education uh, to make um, uh, dollars, equal dollars, basically, equal access to education. Uh, and, you know, for all groups. And, um, you know, it was really focusing on, you know, gender equity. Uh, and uh, so I was hearing her talk, and she talked about in the 1940s, uh, she was looking at universities in Virginia, and she said, you know, in one year, she looked at how many men were turned away from colleges and universities versus how many women, mm. and there were some 20-some some thousand women who didn't get admitted, and there were no men that didn't get admitted. Wow. And so, you know, what happens with no, when somebody says, wait a minute, we are, we're turning away, you know, 20-some thousand capable individuals from colleges and universities simply based on their gender, nothing to do with their capacity. And her contention is that the reason there's so many women now, 50%, 60% of the population that many colleges and universities are women, it's not because anything's changed. It's just because we've made it a meritocracy, and frankly, women are very capable 
in uh, higher education. You know, when you open the doors and let everybody play, you get some amazing, amazingly talented people. But we need to make we need to keep working on that. There's still more work to be done. And, and, and Claudia, one of the things in a little bit of research that I did that I've I've actually uh, done in preparation for our discussion, you know, I came up upon an interesting word that you know I thought I'd have you explain, and that is engendering development. And I think you've touched upon it in what the example you just gave. Can you give us an idea of, you know, for those people who've never heard, what is engendering? Well, um, my my perspective is uh, that we have we make certain assumptions when we don't think about gender. So, for instance, I was at a meeting a while ago. A gentleman from Cornell University was doing a presentation on. Um, development, and, and usually development in this case is referring to the development of countries, particular, particularly develop, you know, developing um, uh, countries. And, um, and he was talking about entrepreneurship because, of course, entrepreneurship and business development is a huge way to employment and um, economic development. And when he finished with the presentation, I said, and can you now talk about women and how you would address women as entrepreneurs? And his answer was, oh, well, then I'd have to do a completely different presentation. Hmm. And I think that really highlights the point, which is that if we don't first think about everybody, I mean, we really have to stop and think about, you know, the different groups and subgroups, mm-hmm. we'll get a different answer. That's right. I, I think, you know, one of a perfect, if you don't mind me giving you another example. Please, please. There's a program called... Well, I won't even go there. It's an engineering program mm-hmm. and for for kids. And what we've seen is if you look at it by gender, generally girls don't participate much in engineering programs. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the engineering programs and you factor in race, mm-hmm. you often get African-American girls mm-hmm. at a much higher level than you do if you just say girls. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important for us to not just sort of, you know, say – you know, one group or another, you know, just sort of say everybody, because it's really sort of one size fits no one. Right. And engendering requires that we think about gender, and then we also think about culture and ethnicity and race to make sure that we're really being inclusive and that we're meeting the needs, you know, of of all the people we're trying to serve. Exactly. Because right now we're not. So now, that's what engendering I had a run upon, and you may want to speak to this, because I think it kind of highlights what you just said, you know, um, engendering development, I got this, um, and, and it really is tied to a report that is produced by the World Bank, but engendering development, they say, uh, through engendering equality in rights, resources, and voice, is a policy research report by the World Bank focusing on gender issues and their broad economic and social implications in developing and transitioning uh, countries. Uh, the report examines the conceptual and empirical links between gender, public policy, and development. Uh, excuse me, and development outcomes. And the evidence presented shows that societies that discriminate by gender tend to experience less rapid economic growth. And it talks about you know poverty and things like that. And so you know that the need, and hence the need for including you know women. Uh, to make it more equitable. 
and you know I thought, wow, and then I, then I went to a little further, and, and just a bit ab, ab, uh, abstract uh, from one of their reports, it says, on another level, gender inequalities hinders development. Evidence brought together in this report shows this unambiguously. Um, a central message is clear. Ignoring gender uh, disparities comes at great cost to people to, to people's well-being and the country's ability to grow sustainably, to mm -hmm. govern effic effectively, and thus to reduce poverty. I thought, wow. Mm -hmm. So from a macro standpoint, mm -hmm. there's a there are tremendous implications, not just an impact to us. And this report was written back in 2001. But mm -hmm. it affects us in that, you know, now we fast forward, we're, we're in 2010 and, and the impact, that, that hasn't changed in terms of the need for us to look at this thing globally, you know, mm -hmm. and the impact. And your organization, which I mm -hmm. think is absolutely incredible, deals with that issue. So, you know, can you talk to why you decided to go multinational as opposed to just local? Absolutely, and I think you, you you really hit on an important point. I think the biggest challenge, though, is, is well, let me just, since you, you've opened the door to the challenges, let me share a couple of them with you. One of them is those kinds of reports, which, by the way, I've, I've written my own, um, well, I co-authored a report for the World Bank uh, this oh, past awesome. year on women and ICTs for economic development. And in the United States, we call it, call it IT, and internationally, they call it information and communication technology, or ICT. So, mm. so it, it, the challenge is that we are, um, that these kinds of reports usually come out in, in a particular unit of the World Bank, and they don't make it over to the mainstream components. So, for instance, um, I worked with a group um, they kindly uh, allowed me to sit at the table, so to speak, um, uh, that focused on science and technology innovation. But um, the, the voices are pretty small, and um, really helping to get these, these mainstream groups, which have the bulk of the money, uh, to, to pick that up, it's really challenging. Um, every, every step we get in that direction is really useful, but there's still this cohort of people from a very, you know, there's kind of an older generation, they've done things a certain way, creating change and getting people to understand how important it is to include women is still a challenge. I, I think, for example, let me highlight the fact that 60% of all the agriculture in the world um, is done by women, and yet the focus on agriculture tends to be very traditional, male-dominated you know, focus. And, in fact, they don't even have... In some of the major banks, like Inter-American Development Bank, they don't even have a gender focus, or at least they didn't about a year ago. Um, so how are you going to really begin to increase agricultural production if, if there's no understanding that the bulk of the agricultural development is done by women? Mm. You know, how will you reach them? How will you communicate with them? How will you, you know, support them? Um, and, and, you know, the same things with, um, you know, around technology, if you... Uh, you know, look at the schools in many developing communities. The, the technology, everything is, is provided to the boys. Um, if we, you know, if there's money for, you know, for education, they send them, you know, for college education, they send them out of the, the boys out of the country and the girls, you know, stay home, have kids. Um, and yet they're the number one influencers of the child's education. Mm. So it, it, it's just there's so many levels of, you know, they have these Internet cafes. Right. I'll say this for your 
I'll say this for your listeners, so they have to use their imagination. The number one use, is, is, you know, the research that we can collect, the number one use of technology by women internationally is for health care. Hmm. The number one use of technology by men, the computer by men, mm-hmm. I leave it to your imagination. Oh, I knew that was coming. Oh, are you <laughs> oh, oh, no. So if you think about it, if you've got a room, if you've got an Internet cafe, right, mm-hmm. And you got a group of men in there using the technology for the kinds of things they don't want to use it for. How comfortable the women are you in that room? <laughs> oh, you, you you begin to see the problem here. <laughs> I see it. So I mean, there's wow. many. There are many. Are, many are you sure it's number one? <laughs> <laughs> is is gaming at least a close second? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I don't think so. I'm sorry, oh, brother. Wow, wow. But you know, uh, on the other the other side. Let's let's get, to get serious for a second. Mm-hmm. The other side is the growing, thriving industry of the slave trade. Oh, the as a matter of fact, can we put a pin in it right there? Because oh, yeah. that's exactly what I was getting ready to go ahead and do a um, PSA for um, a nonprofit that I'm working with, and we're at our halfway point. So let me go ahead and do this, and you can come back and talk about it right after this. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I want to take a moment to talk to you about a heinous crime against humanity that plagues our nation, and yes, believe it or not, communities just like yours. Here's something you can do today to lend your support in the fight against human trafficking, also known as modern slavery. For example, Tanya was only 11 when she was forced to use her body for her own survival and the perverse desires of others. Now 18, Tanya knows no other life. She can't even remember when she was able to choose how she wanted to dress. Tanya dreams of being a teacher one day, and with the help of Bridge to Freedom programs and your support, they can empower her and others like her to move from surviving to thriving. You can make a huge difference in the life of a survivor this year through your support and donations to Bridge to Freedom Foundation. Bridge to Freedom is a nonprofit organization that provides aid to survivors of slavery who now live in the U.S., such as former child soldiers and victims of sex trafficking and forced labor. The cornerstone of Bridge to Freedom's work is personal and professional development to help survivors adapt and thrive in their new lives and communities and find work to support themselves. The Bridge to Freedom Foundation needs your support to help people just like Tanya. They need your urgent action to ensure that they can continue to provide clothing and health and beauty services to these survivors. These are not only important for rebuilding self-esteem, but are crucial to finding employment. They're also in great need of storage containers and clothing racks to organize and store donations. While donations of needed items are vital, one sure thing that will help to stop the spread of this injustice and prevent it from thriving undetected is educating yourselves about human trafficking or slavery and knowing the signs and the proper authorities to contact if you become aware of a victim in crisis. Find out more at bridgetofreedomfoundation.org or if you have a reason to suspect that someone may be a victim of human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center hotline on 1-888-373-7888. Multilingual call specialists are on standby 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. All calls are confidential. 
Welcome back, Truth Seekers. You're listening to Forever Fabulous on A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. Tomette, go ahead and take over. Okay. So, you know, um, I I believe that Claudia was was getting ready to say something about that trafficking. So, um, Claudia. Yeah, I, I, I mean it, that that was a terrific, it was a terrific intermission because um, I think that's exactly the, that's exactly what happens when um, you let too many people of uh, the wrong, with the wrong influence and the wrong, wrong uh, um, use of technology mm-hmm. uh, get too much control. And um, I mean, you know the the. <laughs> The use of the, the really exponential growth of um, child and women trafficking of the you know the slavery and the enslavement of people um, is just it's just shocking and surprising. Uh, I think to, probably to a lot of Americans, uh, and we are the U.S. is one of the number one uh, you know users of the service, if you will. So you know, we have to be really vigilant and. Uh, unfortunately, to a certain extent, it's when people look the other way. It's, again, the whole pick up the flag, don't let it drop. I, maybe that's not the right um, analogy to use, but I, th- I think it's, it's, a, it's an example of, you know, as you move a certain kind of person into a certain area, mm-hmm. um, you lose your connection to civilization. And uh, women's voices and women's, um, you know, thinking and perspectives are, are an important part of, of ensuring that the technology we have is safe for our children, for ourselves, and um, and that what we develop, the products and services we develop, um, are are really generated to do good in the world. And I think women, particularly, when you talk to little girls all the way up, we really are maternal. We like to do make the world a better place. We want to serve people, mm-hmm. um, and that needs to be part of our knowledge and our. You know, getting information out and developing and designing technologies for peace rather than for destruction. Yeah, we um, we have an obligation, Claudia, uh, to raise our voice. We and do. I, we do. I mean, do you feel that? I I feel it, and I feel you know a backlash. I feel that there are. I mean, I stood in this one meeting, and this gentleman said to me, "Isn't it? Aren't we done?" Isn't everything done now? Isn't everything equal? Aren't we? Can't we stop? Hmm. And I said, you know, the only ones that can tell us to stop are the women who started it. Hmm. Wow. You know, it's the people who who I I am standing on the shoulders of the of the women and men who came before me and opened those doors. Hello. And I'm going to ask them, do you think we're done? Yeah. Because I'm not going to insult their work and their contributions by telling them that they that they're done and a lot of them have given their life exactly exactly and we benefit from it how dare we be the ones to say now you know you you don't have any more you know it's all over we don't have to think about this anymore because first it's not true that's true (laughs) that is uh and and secondly there's nothing uh, that says we cannot add you know we we can't sharpen our focus like good we got a lot of things done yeah, yeah, that and just for the next generation behind us, you know, we've exactly. got to now pass the baton at some point in our lives, and you know, the message should be clearer when we pass it, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, Claudia, you know, I had an interesting thing happen, um, you know, on the way over to the theater. No, <laughs> 
interesting thing happened this this afternoon. I happened to be visiting a bank, and uh, the young lady that I met there, um, we were talking, and I just happened to get into this wonderful opportunity uh, on radio and, you know, how excited I am to talk to you tonight and, you know, what the subject matter was going to be about. And we start talking about this international, you know, presence that you have and you're continuing to, to mature and I said, you know, to her, you know, it's, what really thrills me about this woman's organization is that she's taken the message outside our borders, and she has extended the dialogue outside the borders, you know, that we are having now an international um, dialogue about opportunities, women, helping women around the world. And she said, you know what, when is this going to be on? Because I want to listen. Uh, by the way, I'm from Saudi. Mm-hmm. And I can only can, I can only begin to tell you how very important this is to me. If if you all can impart, you forever fabulous women can impart something to me, and I'm not forty yet, that could cut down my steps in doing what it is that I want to do in my life and what I'm here to bring. Am I going to listen? Am I going to pay attention? Absolutely, because it is a different culture that I, I'm, I'm living in and, and have experienced. And, and if you all can help me to my next level by sharing nuggets of wisdom with me, certainly I see such value in what you are doing. So um, can you talk to that? Because, you know, we had a brief discussion about, you know, this international thing and how very difficult it is to network because of the cultural differences. So can you talk to that? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I did, that particularly if, if the um – young woman you spoke to is, is listening in. One of the things that um, I was really privileged to participate in was um, to help to establish the Center for Women in Technology in the Arab region. Yeah. And um, along the pathway, what we found were a whole lot of people were very interested in this idea. And they loved coming to the meetings and, you know, getting their pictures in the paper and meeting important people and all those sorts of things. And then when it was time to actually roll up the sleeves and get to work, uh, the woman who had organized everything was pretty much left on her own. There wasn't a mm. sense of we need to support each other. She continued on, and she, she did manage to get some level of success. And before you know it, she was being attacked. You know, rumors were going around. There was information up on the website about her that was inaccurate. She, you know, she's a very prominent woman at a major in, um, educational institution, a university. Oh. Um, you know, so so people were reading this this mis, you know misinformation. I mean, that's back to that tall poppy syndrome. Mm-hmm. The difference between her and I is I have a series, a whole system of networks to which I can reach out. I can get together with all my sisters and we can all sit around and say, those jerks, you know, whatever it is we're going to say. I said to her, because we use Skype and we Skype back and forth, I said, who's your support network? Tell me about your support network. You know, who are your sisters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, I don't have any. Wow. There are none. And it's true. There are no Girl Scouts. There's no Society of Women Engineers. There's no, you know, groups to which you can join and everybody can kind of say, it's okay, we're going to support you, these things happen. Mm-hmm. So she was completely isolated. Wow. The opportunity there was for me to say to her, I'm here for you. I may be continents away, but let me tell you the reality of how these things work, okay? Because maybe you're 20 or 30 years ago, it would have been the same for us. 
right. or 40 years, whatever. And, and you know, but she was she was responsible for graduate a program that was graduating women with degrees in a technical degree that nobody would hire the women because huh. we said we don't believe mm. in hiring women with technical degrees. Wow. And so she had to shut the program down. I talked to another woman at a university in one of the Gulf countries, you know, lots and lots and lots of oil money. And she couldn't get any support money because everybody would say, well, your country's really rich. And she'd say, well, yeah, but I have 2,000 IT women and 40 old computers, and nobody will give us any. It's a very different, you know, I talked about implicit bias and explicit bias. Uh, Explicit bias is alive and well in much of the developing world. Could you explain that for some of for, for some of us who have not been uh, accustomed to hearing implicit and you know biases and, and what they mean implicit explicit? However, um, mm-hmm. can you explain that? Well, explicit is you know the good old days when somebody would say, um, "I'm sorry, sweetie, girls, uh, women can't come in here. It's for men only." Or you know, you you don't belong on this golf course. Or Oh, um, honey, you can't be a policeman. It's only for women. You know, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just very clear, overt bias, right? That's very explicit. It's illegal. You know, I remember years ago, I'd walk into this place where I was working. There would be, you know, pornographic pictures up on the wall. Mm -hmm. And I was told, well, that's what the men like to see, so you're just going to have to put up with it. I mean, nobody would put up with it anymore. You'd get some sort of claim against you in a minute and a half. Right, right, right. Now, but there's implicit, there's sort of subtle, you know, so the men are talking in a meeting and the woman says, hey, here's my idea, and they go, huh? And then the guy says exactly the same idea, and everybody goes, great idea! (laughs) Nobody's sort of intentionally doing that, but it's just, it's like we just somehow, through our culture, have learned to give more credit to men, men's ideas, men's leadership than women. And both men and women are subject to the same biases. So you'll see women giving more men more deference than other women, right? And that's implicit bias. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of it's sort of like the old Freudian unconscious bias that we have that unfortunately so I went to this if you interrupt me if I'm talking too long. No, but no, no, that's why we went, <laughs> <laughs> I went my to hair, this, honey. Go ahead, keep brushing. Keep brushing. So I went to this <laughs> meeting you, this is a perfect case in point. In fact, it was such a perfect case in point that I all I had to do was say, okay, let me explain this to you. Let me give you the three examples we just witnessed here that nobody noticed. One of them was that we had a main, we had, um, we we had this um, speaker and uh, and a panel, and I was on the panel. And the speaker gentleman uh, was doing a presentation, and it was supposed to be about gender. Uh, and technology, but he didn't know anything about gender and technology, so he he talked about a different topic, which I found very fascinating. So you invited <laughs> your your keynote speaker, and he talked about something completely unrelated. But okay, wow. Uh, and he asked for extra time, and they said okay, which then cut into the time the panel had, which was wow. part of my time. Right. So then I get on the panel, and there are four speakers, uh, two women and two men, and the two men have their titles in front of them, doctor and doctor, and the two women don't have titles. No mm. Ms., no doctor, wow. no nothing, right? Mm. And nobody's thinking that they're trying intentionally to be disruptive, or to, but but it, it's sort of it's sort of interesting, you know that um, that they're natural, you know that, that, that there were little, lots of little subtle things like this, like titles about time, you know. But interestingly, so when it was time to introduce the panel, um, they didn't even introduce us, and instead you know, they're going to cut our time down. 
And it's like, so I'm speaking and nobody actually even knows who I am? You know, I mean, is that... So there's subtle messages that say, I'm not important. Mm -hmm. He is. Hmm. Um, And we do that all the time. We check our watches when women are talking. We don't check our watches when men are talking. Well, I know that really gets me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It it really does. And it is subtle, but you notice that. Right. You wouldn't slip that past Tomette ever. No. The message (laughs) to me... Because my brain processes it, you know. But the yeah. message is that, yeah, you're not important or mm. you're not as important when. We do that. We do that to our children. We do that to yeah. our daughters. We do that, you know, by race. We do that by ethnicity. Yeah. Yeah. And we have wow. to be really careful. We, but we can only be careful if we're cognizant of it, and we, and we aren't. That's exactly right. Very yeah. good point. And we're going to just take a really quick break. And I uh, just want to, you know, get in another one of our, our nonprofits that we want to highlight as well. And um, maybe when we come back, we could talk a little about, about um, the alliances that you guys have and some of the work that you do out there and give some information about the organization also. Certainly. Great. Thank you. Okay. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about Young Lives DC 34. Young Lives is a unique, cutting-edge, nonprofit Christian organization designed to empower and equip pregnant and parenting teen moms to become productive citizens in the community, a program that partners teens and mature Christian women to provide teen girls in crisis with timely encouragement, guidance, and ongoing support. Through the power of presence, kids' and teens' lives are dramatically impacted when caring adults come alongside them sharing God's love. Because someone believes in them, they begin to see that their lives have great worth, meaning, and purpose. This is just the first step in a lifelong journey. The choices they make today based on God's love for them will impact their future decisions, the careers they choose, the marriages they form, and the families they raise. And all of this can be traced back to the time when a young life leader reached out and entered their world. For more information or to get involved, check out their webpage at www.younglives.younglife.org. Or if you're in the D.C. metropolitan area, call 202-399-7017. Welcome back, Truth Seekers. And um, Claudia, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about um, your organization's website and some of the actual outreach programs you're doing internationally and nationally as well. Okay, thank you. Yeah, um, so we have a website, www.md, like Mary David, org, And um, we also we have another website, actually, uh, it's the same www.computer-mania.info. So one of our programs is called Computer Mania Day, and um, and that's a program for middle school girls and their parents, teachers, uh, community adults, and um, it's it's kind of a big rah-rah event where we introduce girls to role models and we give them some hands-on activities and we get them to think about all the applications of technology, not just, you know, in, in animation, which is great, but also mm-hmm. things like healthcare and, um, you know, we have like one event that's called, you know, Plan to Party, so how you do party planning with using technology, and but also getting them to think about designing and developing it. You know, how would it be easier? What would be better? Um, 
And then we, we have a program for parents, and I think that's really our, our strongest. 97% of the parents who participate say they're going to change their behaviors towards their children as a result of participating. Wow. So we're very excited. We've got some nice research that shows it's a pretty effective program, and we, we host that around Maryland. We've done it in Virginia, and we're also looking at opportunities to host it in, in Ghana um, as wow. well as some areas in the Middle East. And um, we've that worked is- extensively in South Africa. We've, we, have, hmm. we had a terrific program with some, um, good with some wonderful partners that we hosted for technology entrepreneurs and in, in uh, women in South Africa. That is so and, um, yeah. yeah, but we have an annual event. We invite women, co- and what was really cool about that, we have an annual event again for women in technology. We brought high school girls. We had a mentor a day, you know, mentor a girl for a day. Basically, connected the high school young ladies to our women business professionals. Um, and and we're also working. I mean, it's a really programmatic. It's, it, you know, there's a professional development um, component to it, but um, we work with, for instance, the National Girls Collaborative po- um, Project, the National Alliance for Partnership and Equity, and others um, to develop materials, curriculum, and, and teaching and training materials that will empower teachers and parents and, and other um, community members to, to be more effective in helping their, their children not only to go into these fields, but to really perform better. Um, and, and we've seen some really interesting work um, that shows that if you, if you help teachers to be more sensitive to gender dynamics in the classroom, both boys and girls perform better. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were looking at physics, AP physics exams, and we saw that both girls and boys, first off, it attracted more girls to physics, but secondly, both girls and boys really performed much better just by having teachers that were more sensitive to their own learning styles and their own abilities and, and didn't generalize quite so much about what, you know, their capacities were. Right. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of, we you know, so we have expertise and it's research-based expertise. And, um, well, how do we join about changing the world? How do we, and, and we are truly about joining you. I didn't mean to, shut, uh, to cut you off there. No. How do we get engaged with, your organization, because I know me, I, the first thing I did when I found your organization and through a wonderful woman, um, I was looking for, okay, what do I need to do? How do I, where do I join? How do I do that? <laughs> well, you can always just email me. We can add you to our listserv to let you know about all the different opportunities that we have. We're looking at opportunities for membership, but I'm always a little bit hesitant to, to put anything together with money because I think everybody should have access to these resources. So I um, I can be reached. I'll give you my email address. Anybody can email me. And I'm um, Claudia Morell. You can just put C Morell, C-M-O-R-R-E-L-L, at mdwit.org. Or you can go to our website. Again, it's that www.mdwit.org, um, and there's a link, info at, at mdwit.org, um, and I get that, and I, I'll respond to you. We definitely would love to let you know. We, and we have all kinds of information, scholarship information. You know, if you want to go uh, to college or you want to go to summer camp or you want to go, you know, your child to summer camp, whatever, we've got information about it. Um, so we, we're about getting information. Nothing, nothing should be a barrier to mm-hmm. you or your child's access to science, technology, engineering, or mathematics, nothing. Um, that's, that's my passion. The world needs you. Um, it's not about you needing us. It's about we need you. Uh, right. And, and so that's what we're trying to do. And so, Claudia, the last thing I, I just wanted to bring up in my research, you know, digging under, you know, your kimono here, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. I noticed that, um, you know, you have some pretty heavy hitters in terms of support. So yes. that's always a good thing. You want to just 
briefly mention a bit about that? We have, I guess you're talking about corporate support, is that yeah. what you're, okay, yeah. so yeah, you know, every woman has a story, and one of the things I found was, as I was going around, you know, years ago, back when I was at my old position, we were talking about women and, and technology, um, we started with our name and our title and our company, and it's like, you know, major companies like Xerox and Northrop Grumman and Booz Allen Hamilton and Lockheed Martin and, you know, just lots of great, great Cisco and as we went around, we found every woman has a story about mm-hmm. something that happened in their life that had been a barrier that they either got around or they didn't get around or they wish they'd gotten around or something, a story that that brought us all together with this common experience. And for the gentleman, it was about, you know, I, don't, I want my daughter, I want my wife, I want my sister to be able to achieve everything she dreams of. And so I want I want to also be clear. I mean, this is not something that women can do by themselves. We work together, men and women, um, and we all benefit. I think it is so cool that my daughter. I mentioned she's an she's an engineer. You know, they're thinking about maybe one day having kids, and they're thinking about maybe the husband would stay home part time and take care of those kids. And the fact that they can have that discussion today mm-hmm. has a lot to do with mm-hmm. the work that the women did before. Absolutely, and I want to thank you both for coming on. We are just about out of time. I was watching. Um, <laughs> I was watching, Michael. I know All right. You, you will cut and, me off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Love it. Well, Claudia, I really want to thank you for coming on. And, Tomette, great yes, job. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. Thank and um, we look forward to the next installment. And special thanks, special thanks to producer Donna Hardiman. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to a new installment of Forever Fabulous on The Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to a... Yeah. It's a 